are, they are connections that, that you are feel at liberty to share your hurts, your disappointments, your embarrassments, because you know that they love you and they'll accept you no matter what. These are few, far, and in between. This level of friendship is earned. Where people get all jacked up is, is they, they don't understand there's levels of relationship. And some people will get on Facebook and meet Johnny today and start pouring their heart out to him. You don't give people your heart because they'll mess you up. You, you, you be safe with your heart. Guard your heart. Now, I'm on, I, my, my circle of friends, my inner circle of friends is very small. And, and, and I, it's not because I'm all of that in a bag of chips. I just can't deal with drama. I don't deal with it well. Amen. And so I'm very choosy about who I let into my inner circle. And, and I would submit to you today, you should be choosy about who you let in your inner circle. Be kind to everyone. Love everyone. Amen? Amen? But don't be giving away and don't be sharing your heart because I'm telling you today, you, you've got to be cautious about that because you need to know that you know somebody because there's a lot of people that are just jealous of who you are, jealous of what, what you've got, and they will try to come in to ambush and sabotage your life, and you've got to guard and protect that. Amen? Preach, Pastor. I am. Amen. Now you may say, well, that's, that don't sound very godly. Well, Jesus just let 12 in. Amen. He, he preached to the multitudes. He ministered to the 70. But when he got down to the, the brass, he just had 12 of them that he took with him. Right? And so we are to minister to the multitudes. We are to serve the multitudes. We have the 70, which can be, you know, uh, the church, if you will, or your, your workplace or whatever it is. But then there's that inner circle of people that you, you choose to share with and, and are able to share with. That's not going to go out and tell in your business. They're not going to put you down or reject you because they found out something about you. But they're going to pray for you and they're going to love you. And they're going to encourage you. They're going to bless you. Amen. Amen. And so that's what we have to do. We have to have levels of friendship. Amen. I had a lady one time in my church. She, she um, wanted me to marry her and a man that she found on the internet uh, she said pastor he's coming he's going we're going to get married could you marry me us and I said I can't marry you he said why not I said I don't know this man he might be an axe murderer for all I know and you don't know either right now if you found somebody on the internet I ain't <laughs> telling you it's wrong I'm just telling you you need to be careful about who you give your heart to Amen? It's quiet up in here today. 
These are the people, this level of friendship are the people who push you to do more. They're the ones that cause you to push to do better, to do something greater. They see something in you, they see something in me that, that we can't even see in ourselves. And we've got to give them permission to push on us. To push us to be the best that we can be. But not only will they push us, but these true friendships are the ones that are always tested by hard times. You don't know what kind of friendship you have until you have a disagreement. Amen. That's the reason why whenever I counsel people for marriage and I, one of my first questions and they look at me kind of weird whenever I ask it, but I said, have you ever seen this one mad? Have you ever seen them angry? And if they tell me, no, we've never been angry. I said, you're not ready to get married. Amen. Because you see, it's the, it's the difficult times. It's not the good times. Anybody can do good in those times. It's when, when we have disagreements. How, how do we handle them? How do we maneuver through them? How do we communicate to one another so that we can make it through the hard times? And even though we may disagree, we can understand that we are still friends through this situation. Amen. See, David and Jonathan were one of the most famous friendships in the Bible. Almost didn't happen because David and Jonathan were supposed to be enemies. Amen. You can read this story in 1 Samuel, uh, in particular the 18th chapter of 1 Samuel. Jonathan was the son of Saul and, and the very man David was appointed by God to replace him and King Saul wanted to kill David but Jonathan Saul's son befriends him and risks his very own life for David to dispel or destroy the plan of his father what did David do that was so terrible that Saul wanted to kill him one might think that he, he had stolen something from Saul, but that's not the case. Maybe he, you would think that he had rebelled against Saul and tried to do something rebellious and be disloyal to him and his authority, but that's not the case at all. David was merely doing what Saul was asking him to do and being obedient in doing what he was to do, to be a warrior, to be a soldier, to, to be taking care of the Israel. And whenever David comes back from war one day and Saul is out there and the women have their tamarines in hand and they're singing their songs and it went something like this. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And a great jealousy rose up in Saul's heart. He was angry to a point of a murder spirit got inside of him because somebody was celebrating the success of David more than his success. Remembering how many he had destroyed, but now David has superseded him. 
But you see, if he would have only got it in the right perspective, Saul was still the one in authority. Saul was still the one giving the marching orders. So if he would have had a right perspective, David's victory was his victory. He, he was winning every time David was winning. He was overcoming, and even though the perspective of the people was that, that David has done all of this, it was because of Saul's directives and his demands and his, his leadership and his authority that David was to accomplish everything he was to accomplish. And so many times we get this out of order and, and we, we see this even today, unfortunately, in, in leadership. You know, you know who the most loving and the most person that people love the most? It's the number two person. It's popular to hate the boss. Huh? Whenever you first get the job, it's, it's a God thing. It's an answer to prayer. Oh, thank God for the job. But then three months in, six months in, it becomes a job. <laughs> and we forget what a blessing it is. And so the boss man or boss woman, whoever's in the leadership, whoever's in authority, then it becomes to despise them, to reject them, to, to you know, they're, it's them against us. Am I saying it right? That's our culture today. It's an anti. It's to resist. <laughs> I told you a few months ago, it, it's called in the Bible a spirit of a Jezebel, a rebellious spirit. Amen? To rebel against that that's in authority. And, and, but yet we see, and then, then David is, the, if you will, the second person, the, the, sec, the, the foreman, if you will, you know, the one in between. And they say, oh, you know, you would be a great supervisor. You'd, I wish you were the boss. And all of this goes on. Right? Until they become the boss. <laughs> and then they become the hated one. Amen? But you see, Saul got it out of perspective just because of the opinions of the people that said that David has slain his tens of thousands. But the reality of it was is because he was the one in authority. Not only had he Saul slain his thousands, but he was a part of the victory that David was bringing home each and every time. And so David... They had, they had built a friendship. David spent so much time with David prior to this. He lived in Saul's castle, right? David was there and he, he and Jonathan had built such a relationship in his father's house prior to this happening that even though this had happened and this test came, it could not stop David and Jonathan's friendship. They had they David made a covenant with Jonathan, and Jonathan had made a covenant with David, and the Bible says it this way: they loved him as his own soul. Now there's some liberal people out there that want to say that that this meant they were gay or homosexual. I want to tell you today that there is no such thing. 
It was not that kind of relationship. You can have a, a friendship, a loveship, and a relationship of being close and not being crazy. Amen? It's not a weird thing. It's a covenant thing. We don't know nothing about covenant in this day. Marriage is the closest thing that we have to covenant, and it's taken so lightly that people don't understand covenant. But covenant is the strongest form of bond that can be made between uh, two men or two women, whatever the case is, of friendship, that relationship. And David and Jonathan made this covenant, and, and Jonathan goes and gives David his robe. Jonathan is in line to be king. He is in line to be an authority. And he comes and gives David his robe. He gives him his armor. He gives him his sword. And, and if we had time here this morning, all of that is symbolic. He gave him his belt. They interchanged and they, they exchanged all of these things that are very symbolic and very important. But the heart of it is this, is they gave themselves to one another and they said, we'll take care of each other. If you fight, I'm going to fight. If you rejoice, I'm going to rejoice. And he, in this, this covenant went beyond even, the, even uh, life and death. But you remember that even whenever they made covenant, that they said, if, if you die, I'll take care of your family. And if I die, then you take care of my family. And David comes into his place in the kingdom one day and he is sitting there as king and he begins to remember his good friend Jonathan. He remembers how good Jonathan had been to him and even though his father was trying to kill him, Jonathan would tell him his father's plans so that he would not be killed, right? This is the relationship that they had and, and certainly we don't have time to go into it in depth today but as I said you can find it in 1 Samuel. But I want you to understand that they had such a relationship that even though Jonathan had died and even though the, that Saul's family had been nearly annihilated and destroyed off of the planet that David looks while he's a king and setting up high and he remembers his friend Jonathan. And said, is there anyone in the house of Jonathan left that I might bless them for Jonathan's sake? Right? And they searched and they looked and they said there is one, but he, but he is unfit. He can't, he can't come into the castle. He can't come into the kingdom because he is a crippled. Right? He, his name is Mephibosheth. He is in Lodibar. He, he, in Lodibar is the place of the dump. It's where they threw the trash. He, he was, Mephibosheth was living in a trash dump, if you will. And they said, and David, but, and they told David all of this, but he said, go fetch him. The word fetch means to cradle in one's arms. He said, I know he can't get here on his own, but you bring him here. Glory to God. 
you carry him to this place. And, and so they went and they fetched him. They brought him. They carried him to the place of the kingdom. And they set him at the table. They didn't set him outside. They didn't put him in the servants' quarters. They brought him to the king's table. And they set him right there at the king's table. Amen. And he ate. And the Bible said that David restored to Mephibosheth everything that was coming to Jonathan. In other words, he said, make it retroactive. And everything that Jonathan should have gotten, everything he should have been blessed with, everything that it was belongs to Jonathan, he said, I want you to give it to Mephibosheth. Amen. And as long as Mephibosheth stayed at the David's table, nobody knew he was a crippled. Hallelujah. I want to tell you today that as long as we come, God will come to where we are. He'll bring us into his heavenly place and he'll set us at his table and he'll restore everything the enemy has ever tried to take from our lives and as long as we stay seated at the master's table nobody will know about our brokenness nobody will know about our hurts nobody will know about our wounds or our yesterday's past all they'll know is we're sitting at the master's table and we're highly favored and blessed hallelujah amen And so Jonathan was blessed even though he had been gone. Mephibosheth received the reward of a covenant relationship that his, his family, his father, if you will, Jonathan, made with David. I'm looking for relationships like that, aren't you? I'm looking for relationships that whenever... You, you, you got a lot of folk that whenever things are good, we... we we good right whenever things are bad where you at where'd you go what happened amen that's the if you will the male relationship probably one of the most popular ones in the scripture as far as males the female side of that is Ruth and Naomi. When Naomi's husband and two sons died, she thought God had forsaken her. Have you ever felt like God had forsaken you? Just be real. Where are you at? What's going on? Who turned out the lights? Where did, where did you go? And we're looking for him. But no matter what situation we're in in life, I can promise you today, no matter how you feel, no matter what you're going through, I can promise you today that God has not forsaken you. How can you say that, Pastor? Because he made the promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you even to the ends of the world. And so, no matter where we are, if we can feel him or cannot feel him, he is not forsaken you. Tell your neighbor, he's never going to forsake you. Naomi decided to return to Bethlehem alone. But Ruth, her daughter-in-law, refused to leave her side. She said, wherever you go, I'm going to go. And the two became inseparable. They looked out for one another. They took care of one another. 
And Naomi guided Ruth into relationship with Boaz. Right? Everybody needs Boaz, not dumbass, but Boaz. Amen? Boaz owned the field. If you read the story, if you haven't read that story, it's a story about Boaz. He is a, the wealthy man that owns the field. They leave a little bit of food for the poor in the corners. But yet, whenever Boaz looked at Ruth, he said, hmm, who's this? And he started telling his workers to leave handfuls on purpose. Leave a little extra in the field. Take care of this. And Naomi was the one that orchestrated or he, she worked, she helped her. She was the support system for Ruth to be able to get this relationship with such a man. Without preaching a whole long time today, I can tell you that it was just one day she was gleaning in the fields as a pauper and the next day she owned the field because of relationship. <laughs> Amen. Because of relationship. And I think this is maybe the most well-known verse in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16. It said, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. This verse is commonly used at weddings. It embodies the Christian friendship, especially friendship between a, a woman and a woman in a wonderful way, right? There are, th there are some lessons to be learned through Ruth and Naomi. First of all, true friendship is self-giving. True friendship is self-giving. Wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you lodge, I'm going to lodge. Ruth and Naomi's friendship starts off with the grief-stricken Naomi thinking that God has forsaken her, that there is no hope left for her. And here she is and she says, I'm going to leave here and I'm going to go back to my hometown, Bethlehem, after she has lost her husband and two sons. She has no reason to stay at Moab. So she tells her daughter-in-law to return to her people. Go back to the Moabites. Go back and remarry someone and live your life and enjoy your life. She has two daughter-in-laws and, and one of them, she tells them both this and one of them kisses her and leaves and the other clings to her and stays. Whenever you have talking about friendships, you'll always have kissers and clingers. Amen. Kissers and clingers. Kissers will kiss you and leave you in the hard times. In the difficult times. I, it goes something like this. I love you, but. Amen. <laughs> I love you, but you got to laugh. Because those kind of relationships are merely there to get what they can get. Amen. 
I'll amen myself. They're there to get what they can get. And as soon as there's nothing else to get, they're kissing and leaving. Amen. They're on their way out because they don't see anything good coming out of this relationship or anything that, that they can get of value for themselves. And so they're kissing and leaving. But Ruth, on the other hand, said, look, Naomi, it, I know that you lost your husband. It was my husband that was lost as well. Your, one of your sons, they're, they're dead, they're gone, and I don't know the outcome. But one thing I know for sure, I'm not leaving you. <coughs> I don't know the outcome of this. I don't know what's going to take place. But Ruth is blessed with this generous companionship that even though she has no obligation to Naomi, Naomi has released her. But she said, you have loved me, right? You've shown me the love. You've shown me grace. You've shown me kindness. And now just because this difficult bump in the road has come, it's not going to stop my love and my loyalty to you. Because we're greater than mother-in-law. We're greater than this relationship, but we are friends. And Ruth makes an oath to stick with Naomi and to, to by her side no matter what comes. And she then works to provide for the two of them. Right? She invests in this relationship. She, she takes care of Naomi when she, she's not the one that is, that is the limelight. She's not the one that everybody's looking to. It's Ruth that has, you know, got the eyes of Boaz. It's Ruth that is going out and gleaning the field and getting the, the food and bringing it in. And Naomi is rejoicing, enjoying the, the, the effects of this relationship and Ruth is making the sacrifices. She's giving the time. She's giving the effort because she loves Naomi. I want to say to you today that true friendship, there will come a time when it's not about you getting. But it's about you investing. Amen. Because you're, it's not true friendship if it's only friendship because we're receiving something from it. But sometimes you got to be there to be the one that gives through the difficult times. You're the one that has to pray for them when they can't pray for themselves. Come on, somebody. Whenever they can't provide for their own self, you're there to provide and to help them and say, we're going to make it through this situation. We're going to come through this circumstance. It's temporary. And we're going to walk through it together and by God's grace. And we pour into, we sow into that relationship. We invest in that friendship. And, and bless God, when we do that, we can know that it's more than just taking care of somebody, but we're sowing seed. We're sowing seed. And the seed that you sow will determine the harvest you get. Right? A lot of times people just want to talk about, about money, sowing money. And, and, and I believe in that. But I want to tell you what seed you sow is going to determine what harvest you get. You don't sow, in other words, you don't sow um, beans into the ground and expect to get corn back. 
And when you sow into relationship, when you sow, sow into friendship, when you sow into kindness, into relationships and friendships in your life, guess what? When you need it. I said when you need it. That thing is going to come back into your life. It's going to be revealed. It may not even be, and, and watch this, it may not even be revealed in the people that you've sown into. But God will bring back the harvest in your life. He will take care of you. He will raise up somebody to be that friend for you because you sowed into somebody else. Friends are supposed to be entering into a relationship not because of what they can get out of it but because of what it is right now. I want to be a blessing to you right now, not because of what I can extract from you, but what I can invest in you. We're called to be examples of Christ's love. Love the world. Amen? <laughs> we can't do that if we're all the time consumers and give me. Give me, give me, give me. Yes, we all, all of us will be at a point sometime when we need. Huh? When we need something. But it's not all the time. Sometime, but not all the time. And so our attitude of friendship, when, when, we, when we break free of this selfish, poisonous thing that causes relationships to be destroyed and eroded because we, we are always consuming instead of investing. We got to love those around us. We got to pour into those that are around us. We got to portray the beautiful image of Christ's own self-giving. He gave. Amen. He gave. And so I think the reason and I I'm I'm not, you know, psychologist or psychiatrist or any of those you know Pastor Charlie's the ones got all those degrees thank God for that but what I do believe is this is we have shallow relationships today because we never invest in the relationships they're surface at best they're good time relationships but not enduring relationships amen true friendship breaks boundaries it breaks in in this Ruth and Naomi it's a generational blessing and I could preach on that for months I have before I could do it again it's generational blessing it breaks the age barrier, it breaks the race barrier, it breaks the religious barrier. Naomi was a Hebrew woman who immigrated to Moab. Her husband and her two sons were from Bethlehem. Her husband died and she was left with her sons who grew up. They married Moabite women. Ruth was one of those Moabite women, right? And, and marries into Naomi's family and she became a widow and, and, and as, as I said, her son died. Then both of them became widows. That's the thing they had in common. 
But besides that, they had very little in common. These two women were different ages, they were different races, and they had different religions. But yet somehow they built a strong, lasting friendship and relationship around the deep love that went farther than a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. It was a bond that went beyond. When that was gone, they were still together. They truly loved each other. They put their differences aside and they supported one another in the good times and in the bad times. Amen? It's no secret that our world is very divided right now. Our society tends to, it, it is, well, stick to your own. It keeps boundaries of ages, and we call them the young generation that's crazy, and we call them the old generation that, you know, they just, they don't want to hear nothing new, and, and, we, and we divide over ages not knowing that we need each other. Not knowing that it's not always about what we have in common that makes us strong, but sometimes it's what's in diversity that makes us strong and makes us to overcome. Amen? And somehow Ruth and Naomi understood this and they befriended one another and they said, I know that I'm not of your race and I know that I'm not of your religion and I know that, 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 that I'm younger than you are. But there's something that we have in common and they embraced that. And through that embrace, I, whether Naomi meant to do it or not, I'm sure she probably did, but if she meant to do it or not, that Ruth seen such love in Naomi that she became the same religion as she was. She said, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. In other words, through that love and through that relationship, there was a shift that took place that she seen the love of Christ. Let me ask you today, what are your relationships developing? What are you, what's coming out of your relationships? Are your relationships, are they, they something that, that people can see or... God in you or are you turning to look more like them if your relationships are being more imposed on you than your values being imposed upon them maybe we need to take another look <laughs> true friendships should bring us closer to one another, but ultimately bring us closer to God. I recently was talking to a young man, and I told them, uh, as it related to relationships, I said, what you need is somebody that loves God more than you. What you need is somebody who loves God more than you. What do you mean? Our relationships should not bring us far apart from God. They should cause us to sharpen our skills and our desire until we long and hunger more for God than we did before. Even though Naomi is having a rough time and feeling punished by God, Ruth still wants to adopt her Naomi's faith and walk out this journey. 
There had to be something, even though she was devastated, even though she was hurt, even though she was broken, even though she was empty, there was something in Naomi's life huh, that Ruth looked at and said, that's what I want. It wasn't when she was prospering. It wasn't when she was blessed. It wasn't when everything was coming to her easy. It was in this devastating... I want to share with you this morning. People aren't probably not watching you so much whenever everything is going your way. They're watching you and looking at you when everything is falling apart. Your life is a mess. Everything is in turmoil and you have questions in your own heart. But it's when you keep walking out your faith. When you keep believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you keep saying, God, I'm going to trust you when I cannot trace you. I'm going to depend upon you. My hope is in the Lord. Amen. It's in those times that Ruth looks at Naomi and says, I want you your God to be my God. Amen. What does this tell us about Naomi? She must have been pretty awesome mother-in-law. In order for Ruth to want to accept her God as her own. Naomi must have did a good job of showing Ruth God's love. Even though it was in difficult times. As Ruth, she returns the favor and shows God's love and her friendship and her support by going and receiving the harvest and bringing it back so that Naomi too can enjoy the blessing. These are the kind of friendships that everybody would desire. Anyone would love to have. But as I close today, I just want to tell you the greatest example of friendship is when Jesus came to the earth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but the world through him might be saved. It's the reason Jesus came. He had nothing to prove. He, he wasn't going to get a higher seat of authority. He wasn't going to achieve any greater blessing because he was already at the right hand of Father God. He was already King of kings and Lord of lords. He was already the Son of God. He was already King of kings. And so he, he had nothing to gain except you. And me. Huh? It was such a friendship that he would say, Father God, I'll go and pay the price. Because all of us had been held ransom by Satan. All of mankind had been brought into hostage. We were, if you will, kidnapped by the enemy. And we were taken into hostage because an hostage overtake because of what Adam chose to do. And what Eve chose to do. And now mankind was separated from Father God. And Jesus said, I'll go and be the sacrifice. I'll go prepare the way. I'll go that they can have a friendship and a relationship with you again. Amen. 
And so Jesus showed us his love of the Father by coming and taking our place on the cross because rightfully so, mankind had sinned and it was you and I that should have died a horrible death. It is you and I that should have been punished on the cross for the sin and the shame that mankind had brought into the world. But thank God Jesus stepped up. Thank God we had a friend that said, I'll stick closer than a brother. Huh? Thank God that he came and he, he said, I'll go and I'll pay the price. And in John 15 and 13, he said, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Amen. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He came and laid down his life. That you and I could have abundant life. Victorious life. Overcoming life. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. He wanted us to enjoy life not just in heaven but in the here and the now. And so Jesus came and he paid the awesome price. You know the story. He hung between heaven and earth. I know it's just talked about on Easter anymore. But it, it's an everyday occurrence. It's an understanding of what Jesus did. That he hung between heaven and earth. They stretched him wide and hung him high. And there as he died upon that cross that day. He would made it possible for you and me to be the friend of God. For us to have a relationship that could not be separated, that could not be stopped. He said it like this, what shall separate you from my love? Shall persecution, shall pearl, famine, nakedness, nor strife? He said, nay, and all of these things were led as slams to the slaughter all day long. But I am persuaded that neither life nor death, angels or principalities, things present or things to come are able to separate me from from the love of my God. Hallelujah. I want to tell you today in that one verse. It tells me no matter what I face tomorrow. My God's not afraid of it. No matter what I'm going through right now. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He'll be with me to the ends of the earth. And so no matter what I encounter. What I go through. I am there. And his love will supersede anything that I ever go through. If you believe it, give him praise here today. None of these things are able to separate me from the love of God. It suggests that we will go through them, but they will not be able to separate us from the love of Jesus. Glory to God. I'm telling you today that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is the friend that laid down his life that we can have life. And that we will accept that relationship, that friendship, that, that relationship with him as Savior, as Lord, as Christ of our life. Then there is nothing, no matter what comes our way, can separate us from his love getting to where we are. That's the greatest thing that we can ever have in our lives. Because no matter how good people are, here's the thing. Every one of us have been let down by someone. But can you handle this? Every one of us have let down someone. 
good intentions, best of plans, but are not able to fulfill or do what we hoped and purposed to do. Amen. And it's brought disappointment. It's brought, it's brought about a feeling of, of being separated and disappointed by all of it. But I want to tell you today, God is the only one that can back up his word. God is the only one that he will never, his word. He said he watches over his word and hastens to perform it. What he has said, he will bring to pass. And so today, wherever we are in life, if we have never accepted Christ as our personal Savior, I want to tell you today that it is the greatest friendship journey that you will ever begin in your life. It'll be like nothing else that you have ever experienced in your life because He is the greatest friend that you'll ever have. I thought I'd get a better witness than that. I said He's the greatest friend you'll ever have. Because he can back up his word. He's not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should repent. What he says he brings to pass. And what I want to say to you today is this. If you're here today and you, maybe you've never started that journey. You can start that journey today. It isn't as difficult as religion has made it out to be. The reality of it is, as he said, if you would acknowledge him, if you would believe upon him, and you would confess him, that you can be saved. That's how you start this friendship journey with Jesus. It's how you start this relationship with God. That's the beginning is to pray a prayer. But after you pray the prayer, you get to walk with him. You get to talk with him. You get to have a relationship with him. And it'll totally change your life. Amen. But maybe you're here today and maybe you find yourself like Naomi. You say, Pastor Brian, you know what? I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm loving God. I'm doing all. And I just need him to, to, to wrap his arms of love around me today. I need him to help me today. I'm a little discouraged. I'm disappointed. I'm I'm disoriented with what's going on in life I love the Lord but I don't understand what's going on and I just need him today to help me amen I need him today to help me has anybody ever been there when you needed him to help you whenever the things of this world just weren't enough when the people of this world just weren't enough and you just needed God you just needed God I want to tell you he's here today. His presence is here right now. And if you'll respond to him today, he said this. He said he'll never reject us. He'll never turn us away. He's really a good father. I said he's a good father. And he'll embrace us this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you would please. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that you're the one that initiated friends. You created us in such a way that we cannot live life alone or by ourselves, but you created us 
for the need of friendship. And I thank you for godly friendships and relationships. But today we know ultimately that you are the greatest friend. You're the greatest lover of our soul. You, you love us while we were unlovable. You, you died for us while we were in our sins and iniquity. But you loved us enough to pay the price for us. So today I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, that you will help us here today. If there's one here today that doesn't know you and know the joy of your friendship and your relationship, having a relationship with you, I pray today be the day they say yes. There's those here today, God, like Naomi, that is bitter in soul for the turmoil that she's gone through or he's gone through. God, I pray today be the day that your love shine through. Your grace, touch them where they are and minister to them today, God. Let them experience your goodness and your glory this morning. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to give opportunity here this morning to pray as Brother Anthony plays and sings this morning. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, He's not your best friend. You don't know the joy of that. I want to invite you this morning to know the joy of knowing Christ. If you don't want to come alone, ask somebody to come with you. Maybe you would ask somebody today, do you know that joy or do you need to know it? Be an evangelist today. Tell somebody, I'll go with you. If you're here today and you have that bitterness of soul like Naomi and you say, God, I just need your touch today. I don't doubt you, but I just can't trace you. I want you to help me today. I'm telling you, he's a great, great friend. (laughs) I said, he's a great, great friend. Amen. As Anthony sings this morning, that Holy Spirit is touching you. It's not to condemn you. It's to draw you to himself. I invite you today to come and pray. In Jesus' name.